Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead is strictly coincidental. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your normally your keeper, Keeper Michael, uh, but we are back with another episode of our Regency Cthulhu game, Echoes in the Mist, and I am going to abdicate the throne of the keeper for our Regency keeper, Keeper Bridget Jeffries. So please take it away. Oh, hello, hello, everyone. My name is Bridget Jeffries. Mike, thank you for that beautiful introduction. We are back tonight with episode five of Echoes in the Mist. This is a Regency Cthulhu campaign written by me specifically for the Old Ways podcast. Again, I am your keeper, Keeper Bridget, and I am delighted to walk alongside of our investigators as they enter the grand ballroom for a night of dancing, cards, drinking, gossip, and mayhem. So before we start, let's have some introductions. John, start us off. Tell us who you are who you're playing. And this time, instead of a retrospection, let's hear what your character is most looking forward to, or probably in your case, what are you most dreading about this upcoming evening? Hi, I'm John, and I'm going to be playing Hugo Bartleby, first mate to Captain Dance and uh, General Devil. Hugo is looking forward to cards and not looking forward to all the society bullshit he's going to have to put up with this evening. Uh, usually he just hangs back for that part and drinks a lot of free booze, eats a lot of food, takes people for their money, and uh, today he has to engage with all that shit. So we'll see how he goes. If nothing else, Sir Hugo Bartleby, the societal bullshit is inevitable. Mm-hmm. Noob, tell us who you are, who you're playing, and uh, what she's most looking forward to or dreading about this evening. Hello, I am newish Indian girl, and I'm your heiress of the hour, lusting for power, bow before me and cower. I'm Vidya Ambani, and um, I am uh, channeling my inner 16-year-old, and I am ready to be petty at this ball. I don't even know what I'm going to do. That's why I'm so excited, where it's like, this this Emma girl, she better watch out, because... I am not responsible for what's going to happen to me next, but I'm currently canceled in Regency era, so I need to kind of uh, think that through. So whatever happens to Emma is going to be what I'm looking forward to most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vidya Bani definitely is canceled right now or in Regency Cthulhu, censored. And Mike, last but totally not least, tell us who you are, who you're playing, and what he's most looking forward to or dreading about this evening. Yeah, uh, this is Mike. I'm going to be playing Captain Robert Dance, or Sir Dance to some people. Uh, actually, Sir Dance to all people, given my title and uh, and station in life. And I am looking forward to, honestly, 
I'm looking forward to seeing how Miss Ambani is received. And I think maybe deep down, Dance is interested in seeing what kind of chaos she could cause. Because the people of England are not ready for her. I do not believe that Miss Ambani will fail you, Captain Sir Robert Dance, but we will see. Amazing. Thank you so much for those introductions. And for this episode's reading of the poem, Darkness by Lord Byron, I turn the stage over to John. Himself sought out no food, but with a piteous and perpetual moan and a quick desolate cry, licking the hand which answered not with a caress, he died. The crowd was famished by degrees, but two of an enormous city did survive, and they were enemies. They met beside the dying embers of an altar place, where had been heaped a mass of holy things for an unholy usage. They raked up and shivering scraped with their cold skeleton hands, the feeble ashes and their feeble breath, blew for a little life and made a flame which was a mockery. Brilliant. So you all are gathered in the foyer of the Bland Estate. You feel almost herded in a way. There's plenty of room, but still you're just being held here. Uh, Before you stand two gold-plated, red velvet-lined, and intricately carved heavy wooden doors. Two guards stand on either side of it. Above you, there hangs a two-tier glass chandelier filled with dancing candlelight. There is a single musician in the room, an older woman, who smiles, nods politely, but is mostly focused on playing this glass harmonica at a, at a conversationally appropriate level. Uh, Fanny, next to you, Sir Bartleby, can't help but to watch this woman with a look that's just betrayed on her face that says, I, I could do that better. And Sir Bartleby, you've heard her play, and you know that she can. Uh, There are two massive spiral staircases that lead up to the second floor. Light refreshments have been put out. Fruit, cheeses, and pre-porn wine. Uh, Nothing too spectacular, but you guys do notice that the fruits aren't as polished and vibrant as they should be. Most are bruised, soft, or just simply aren't fresh. And this garners no disrespect to the Bland household because, well, let's be honest, it actually awes you that they were able to get fruit as fresh as this. There's no fresh fruit at any of your houses anymore. All the fruit is turned to rot. The most that you've come to enjoy fruit is anything that's been canned or pickled from the year before. You try not to think about that, especially as you're here wrapped in opulence and fortune, because if your households can't come across fresh fruit, if the Blands can't come across fresh fruit, you understand completely why Pool Harbor fell. A growing collection of people stand, murmuring, pointing, and chatting, about a small exhibit that is currently being arranged with a portion of Miss Vidya Ambani's menagerie. Uh, there's this massive wire cage that has various species of parakeets that are being loaded in by careful handlers. Uh, there's these bright green rose ring parakeets, a red-breasted parakeet, and two very feisty, very loud, multicolored long-tailed macaws that squawk and scream and bite. And the entire room begins to echo with the sounds of a jungle. And that's when you all know, ah, yes, that's why we're being held back. The Blands have to get the exhibits in place. And then there's a roar, a mighty roar of a lion. No, it's of that leopard that's somewhere on the other end of the ballroom. 
The entire room goes quiet for a moment until a few ladies uh, grab at their hearts and giggle and crash into their friends as they laugh. And several gentlemen do the same. And you can just feel this anticipation, this excitement and this joy just building up, getting ready to go into the ball of the year. Hugo, your sister, Mariana, arrives in a dress that's not just a few seasons old, but definitely a few years old. It's clean, but it's worn, dated, pitiful. Whomever she married, wherever he is, she didn't marry into money. And the thought dawns on you. That's probably your fault. Your reputation, your deeds, probably ruined any chance she ever had at a proper marriage. And... She's pushing your father in a makeshift three-wheeled wicker contraption that mostly resembles a wheelchair. He looks angry. He's also in a tattered and old suit with a blanket wrapped across him. Sir Captain Dance, your sister stands beside you, commanding respect, as she does in any public setting. And you can't help but feel proud of her. And when you look into her eyes and you see her gaze reflected back, you know that she's proud of you too. As you move about this foyer, you notice that You're commanding the respect and the eyes and the giggles of most of the women in this room. The gentlemen halt their conversations when you approach to greet you. They smile. They move to shake your hand. They recognize you. They see you. And the ladies, you count four, five, six, eight, who are demonstrating open signs of attraction and want, ranging from early 20s to mid 30s. Mid 30s is like old maid territory, by the way, but here we are. Uh, You have several women that are trying to solicit your attention. They are either wearing matching fans, gloves, or jewelry to demonstrate as much. The exterior doors open again, and coming in from the chilly rain jogs Sir Henry White of the White family. Several gentlemen pat him on the back good-naturedly, splashing water from his overcoat. And he makes a, a hurried attempt to shake hands, smile, and acknowledge people as he's almost ambushed. However, his... Intentionality is concrete, strong through this just array of polite smiles, nods, absent laughs. His eyes are scanning the crowd, looking for someone. Looking for you, Vidya. When he locks eyes with you, you can't help but to melt. He has a natural radiance to him that's just simply intoxicating. And you can tell by the look that he's giving you, even from across the room, that you are the only reason that he is here. Before I open these doors and they begin to announce people by order of importance into the main ballroom, is there anything that you all want to address or handle here in the foyer? I feel like Vidya is going to turn to Sir Captain Dance. I know I I said some aggressive things, slightly aggressive, not super aggressive, but slightly aggressive to Miss Emma Bland. And I, I want to conduct myself in a more becoming manner tonight so as to reflect well on not only myself, but on you. And I was wondering if you had any advice for how to deal with Miss Emma Bland. Because I really don't like her, and I wish she would just go into the mist. Can't we just push her into the mist? I will give you a very slight smile, likely feel the energy that's coming from Grace because she's going to hear you say that. Um, And I would just say 
English society here is full of pitfalls and traps in somebody. Some traps which are laid on purpose and some which are done wholly and totally by accident. But because of the social structure here, it will not matter whether or not you fall on purpose or someone trips you. The fall is just the same. That said, I take a single step closer to her with still holding on to Grace and say, please don't forget this is your party too. They're here to see you. They have seen English ladies before at their own coming out parties. No one here has seen someone like you. That's very, very kind. (laughs) I'll step back just a little bit. When I was in India, I had the fortunate uh, moment to overhear someone say something that stuck with me, and that is, they who dream for too long will become like their shadows. Don't dream too long. I'll just step away a little bit from Miss Ambani with a a respectful nod and um, look at uh, who's paying so close of an attention to her uh, because part of my job at such an event is also to, to oversee and protect my charge. And I think my sister is probably right that there is no man here who will visit who is good enough for her. That will mean, of course, that I will have to be um, socially aware of her potential suitors. Yeah, looking around the room, and there's a lot of activity. People are trying to get closer to the door to hear that creature roar again. Uh, They're squawking from the birds, and people are absolutely fascinated. Um, But as you're looking around, there are three major spotlights happening in this room. There is a massive amount of of attention on Sir Henry White. There's a great deal of attention on yourself, uh, Captain Sir Robert Dance, and you can just see the conversations and the eyes and the fan waves all eyeing Miss Ambani. They are stripping her from head to toe with their eyes. They're analyzing her outfit, the way that she walks, the way that she laughs, how she's holding her hand. They're trying to anticipate, like, what color is she wearing? Who is she trying to match in this room? Uh, So those are the three places where most attention is being centered. And as you're looking, um, one, during that entire speech, your sister was giving you that side eye, that almost like, I told you so side eye. She doesn't say anything. And it was very brief. But she is doing the same thing as she is combing through the audience. Okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably at some point get around the room to Bartleby, uh, simply because I could it not. I don't know that I'm acquainted with his father, at least directly. Early days when you were, you know, just a young lad yourself, uh, you knew that he was one of the elders or one of the leading figures back in Poole. So you are aware of him. You've met him. So you don't require an introduction. But he has a reputation, one that has been tarnished by his son. But even prior to that, He's always been known to be a very cruel husk of a soul. Okay. Then in that case, what I'll do from my position in the foyer floor is give Bartleby a nod, but poignantly not be uh, too close to his father. Like, I'm not going to go over to talk to Bartleby because it would put me in proximity of his father. I'm going to hope that my friend isn't too offended by it, that he understands that there are just some things here in public I can't do. And talking near his father or to his father is probably one of them. 
Bartleby's entirely aware that uh, sometimes Captain Dance has uh, his own set of responsibilities. And that's why he's just gonna return the nod and think to himself, yeah, I caused some of the downfall of these this family, but fuck them. They're going that way anyway. And as you have that thought, your sister, Mariana, uh, approaches your other sister, who's mostly hanging, uh, you know, right off of your six right now. And she doesn't greet you. She doesn't even acknowledge you. But she looks down. This is Mariana looking down to Diana. And she says very coolly, it's like, remember, child, try not to speak. You wouldn't want to ruin any of your chances, would you? And she just bends down and kisses the girl, you know, very softly on her head. And he does like a rough on her. And right before she leaves, he says, my God, what are you wearing? And Hugo knows better than to rise to the bait. That that one is for him. Sticks his tongue behind his lower lip. Shakes it back out, kneels down to his little sister. He's like, and he just whispers in her ear. Remember my angel? She doesn't know anything much of anything about anything except being cruel that is the only thing she has in life and it will be a terrible thing to deprive your sister of her only happiness however you talk and you set them all straight and you show them just hell if they mess with you and you tell me whatever happens you know just gonna stand back up and he just like smooths out her hair from where Marianne kind of ruffled it he's like don't let anyone tell you otherwise. You're lovely. And she looks up to you and she just kind of gives you that very abrupt nod. And you can see uh, a handful of tears just kind of fall with that nod. And she actually doesn't speak a confirmation. You can see she's on that straddle of insecurity already. So you guys continue to mill about. And then there is that highly anticipated sound of scepters banging on the floor. And those grand wooden doors open and an announcer comes out and says, the Bland household is happy to welcome you to our first coming out party here in Millpuddle. We shall be performing introductions in the order of importance. There's that murmur that cuts through because everyone is eyes looking. You know, people have already done this list in their head. I can imagine some of the ladies probably have bets on whether their list is correct, whether their list is wrong. Um, and Captain Sir Dance, you know 100% that you're going to be the first person called. This is just something that you know. This is something you know. This is something that Grace knows. Um, and you can see eyes looking at you, probably the ones that have their money on you. And the announcer says, we are hereby so proud and humble to welcome the White family, Sir Henry White followed by his parents, William and Margaret White. And there's this still that kind of cuts through. And you guys have seen Henry walk in. As a matter of fact, Miss Vidya, he hasn't done a very good job of not staring at you from whatever conversation he's had. But he looks around and two things that you guys notice, especially you, Captain Dance. One, his parents are not with him. And he also seems alarmed by that. You can see that he's scanning the room one more time. Like, did I miss my parents? No, they're not here. And he, he goes to, to sweep, um, straighten up his waistcoat. And as he passes you, he actually looks you dead in the face, Captain Sir Robert Dance. And he looks apologetic. There's this look of shame and apology. And almost like, if I could fix this in this moment, I would. But I know that I'm not supposed to be the first person called. And he's not being shy about showing you that type of deference. 
I think Dan's probably expected there was going to be a comeuppance point. Having lived a life mostly at sea is prepared for a bit of the unusual. And so he smirks a little bit and does not return any sort of uh, other gaze to, to the boy at all, but leans over to Grace and says, I'm going to be changing plans. She nods slowly because though Bridget doesn't know what that means, Grace absolutely knows what that means. If Grace could simmer right now, you would see her boiling over. She is pissed at this. Uh, Next, the White family would like to welcome Captain Sir Robert Dance. This is an interesting moment for you, Captain Sir Robert Dance, because they are calling you. They did not call Miss Vidya Ambani. And in turn, I will step forward. I will adjust the the waistcoat just slightly. My military uniform, obviously, uh, uh, a little bit of the accent here is is probably played. Um, But most importantly, what I will do is I will stride immediately to my left two steps. I will extend my arm to Miss Ambani and take her in as my guest and see if the family has the audacity to stop me. This video, what do you do? Well, I believe it would be rude for me to not accept the arm offered to me. Plus, I want to accept the arm offered to me, which is more important. So I graciously take the arm with a, I guess, a, a graceful smile. I am trying to be as graceful as possible in this moment because I realize that some of the things that have happened in the past few seconds seem to have confused the family that is hosting me. So mm-hmm. I am putting all of my trust and faith in the captain and following his lead. Captain, you have your escort and you are able to proceed through those wooden doors. I need you to immediately make me a reputation check, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Because I knew it was coming. This is disrespectful. It is. It is. Uh, and I think the, um, I think the thing in Dance's mind is that he has been disrespected. Mm-hmm. And so if they think they get to disrespect him without any sort of social payback, they're wrong. Okay. That's an extreme success. So that is a four under my reputation of 60. Okay. I will not, I will not in any way, shape or form acknowledge anyone of their family as I walk through this door. Okay. What I'm going to do is I'm going to slide you, Michael Diamond, into the keeper chair. I am going, because that was an extreme success on your reputation. Um, You are going to wind up somehow gaining two points of reputation from this action. But I need you to explain for me from a keeper perspective, how the hell you got that off? Why are people uh, uh, admiring this potential move versus going like, that was rude. That was rude as shit. I think the people of Millpuddle expected that a respected veteran of the Napoleonic War, a man who sunk an admiral's flagship who's come to their town with such an auspicious coming out party would have been respected enough to be announced first. And they are aggravated at what the family here has done to disrespect him. And so they are hoping that he would take such a a, you know, a, a fourth with action, a, such a, a, a righteous move to remind them this this family who he is and why he is here. And so they, the crowd, give him that added reputation bonus because uh, 
because of this display that he will not be cowed. He will be respected. And if that means he has to socially enforce it himself, then they know he'll do it. Brilliantly done. If NPCs in Regency Cthulhu had reputation scores, I would ding them a D12 right now. I can't ding them because they don't have a score, but I am going to play that out narratively for you because that was absolutely brilliant. So the doors open into this massive glass enclosure. The ballroom has been freshly polished and primed for the night's activities. Rose petals. How the hell did they get rose petals? They have to be fake. Maybe they're fabric. I bet they're fabric. There's no way they got fresh roses out here. But fresh rose petals, air quotes, are strewn across the floor. The smell of roasted vegetables, cooked meat, and perfume just pours from this room. There are multiple chandeliers that hang from the ceiling. Tables with red cloths have been lined on either side of the ballroom floor. There is more or less kind of like a buffet self-serving spread uh, that are behind these tables. Servants and slaves alike who are dressed in their finest move busily about. It's like they're ping-pong balling all over this room. And... Miss Ambani, you can notice that there are bird cages that have been strategically erected in various places. There's a string quartet that is playing an upbeat and triumphant tune as you guys enter. There is an upper level that has a crawling balcony that goes across three walls. And up there, there are card tables. That's where the gentlemen will be doing the majority of their drinking and their gambling. Some of the tables are separated by those freestanding uh, black curtains so you can get a little bit of privacy. And then on the far wall where it's completely glass, you can see out onto this absolutely stunning stone veranda. It has torchlights that are currently blazing under covered hoods. Several of Miss Ambani's horses are on display and are being paraded about by slaves and servants. And there are a few tables outside as well. And of course, down the grass, into the darkness, through the rain, you can still see that massive collection of red mist, a fog that is just shining brightly despite that it has this, you know, rainy, murky night. And it's giving the entire room that you're in this eerie aquatic red glow. And directly in front of that glass, you can see Miss Emma Bland and Mr. Author Bland, who are standing there proudly, you know, waiting for their deference of respect as people walk in. And the moment Captain Dance comes in, with an uninvited guest, Emma Blanches, you can see this grimace pull across her face and she storms off stage left. Okay, so I know you'll get to Bartleby in just a second, but when I walk through those doors, since I didn't make eye contact with the, any of the servants or attendants on the side of me, Author Bland gets two daggers from me as I walk through the door. Like, oh. down, eyes directly at him. Like, how dare you disrespect me? But I'm going to move to the right, just like as we would normally do, come through the win- through to the room as, as people enter. Because I know there will be people announced and, and be arriving behind me. But yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not playing. Not anymore. Okay. You know what it feels like to see a man cow before you. Captain Sir Robert Dance and Arthur Bland right now, his posture weakens and his eyes dart around to try to figure out exactly if he can salvage this situation. But he already knows it's too late because even the slaves and the servants noticed those daggers, noticed Emma run off before the rest of her guests were introduced and noticed exactly how frightened Arthur Bland is of you in this moment. And Henry White, who is standing across from you, just kind of nods almost appreciatively like he's glad you did something because he didn't have the courage to do something that's their d12 
reputation ding. Even the servants and the slaves are like, oh, you done fucked up, homie. That's pretty bad on you. There are a series of other households, landed gentry, and other well-to-do nobles who are introduced one at a time, who work them way into the room. And eventually, Miss Grace Ratcliffe is called. Um, she is immediately after she comes in and shows deference to uh, Sir Arthur Bland. Uh, she is going to go stand uh, beside you, Miss Vidya. And getting towards the bottom 10% of the remaining guests... Hugo, you look around and you can see that it's basically the Bartleby family, another poor gentry family that you don't even know their names, and a woman who's been in the room that has made it a point to not be very social. Um, the one thing that strikes you as interesting about this woman as she stalks around the foyer is she's charged with something, whatever is going on with her nervous system, whatever is going on beneath the flesh of her skin, she's very charged, so she's doing a lot of pacing, she can't seem to stand still. But when you look at her, she's dressed modestly, um, but she's suspiciously wearing no gloves, no jewelry, and no accessories at all. Uh, Sir Balderby, can I get either a listen or a spot hidden check from you? 45 for a spot hidden, so that is a normal success. Okay. With a normal success, as she passes to your right at some point, your eyes kind of fall down to her feet. And the one thing you notice is that she's not wearing the clopped heel shoes. She's wearing leather boots. And you can see these black leather boots peeking out from the bottom of her uh, dress that's still skirting along on the floor. I won't lie. Bartleby is super into this woman. <laughs> He's like, huh. You're sizing up this woman while your uh, your 15-year-old fiance is on your arm. <laughs> oh, Yes. And I'm absolutely using my 50 points of fashion to try and figure out, like, all right, let's see. Is this basically a dress that's cut to fit her? Or is it a <laughs> a dress she found? Oh, you know what? Could you roll me that beautiful bean footage? Uh, I don't quite. She's too, she's too cool. I, I, I can't. <laughs> I rolled 91 against 50. Uh, she's just too cool. <laughs> she's just too cool. Did you want to push it? How curious are you about her? Oh, yeah. I'll actually scooch off from... Uh, I'll just be like, oh, sorry. Sorry, second Fanny. And uh, <laughs> and just, like, you know, close in a bit. See if I can spot stuff. Oh! A six oh. against 50, which, unless I am mistaken, is extreme. That is an extreme. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's a handful of things we need to reconcile very quickly, John. You just dropped your fiance in almost a curious approach to approach a woman that you haven't been introduced to mm -hmm. and that you're more or less attracted to. I'm going to need an etiquette check right now, please. Oh, no. What have I done? <laughs> 60 against 20. OK. Oh, God. OK. OK. We're we're OK. We're OK. We're OK. Uh, this is going to wind up dinging you five points of reputation. Ooh. <laughs> this, are you are you censored? <laughs> uh, I'm below forty one. I'm sorry. I'm below forty. I'm now on thirty six points of reputation. Oh shit! Okay, I don't even have the Regency Cthulhu book up because I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Mike, are you? Can you send help? Is he censored? All I know is that now I have this fucking huge extra penalty die. <laughs> yeah. So he's dipped below forty, which means society's opinion of him in Regency Cthulhu is he's a bad sort. Uh, the effect is a dice roll incurs, incurs a penalty die now. Okay. Uh, so for censure, though, 
your your starting reputation was today was forty one. Forty one. You lost five. Yes. Yeah. So one fifth of forty one. It's eight. Yeah. Yeah. So you're good. Just don't lose another couple points of reputation. At least not right now. Gotcha. Captain's orders. <laughs> So you're already rolling with one penalty die because you're of a bad sort. I'm just going to throw this over to you really fast before I give you what your extreme success on this fashion check was. Mm-hmm. How is your family responding right now? Because this is affecting them as well. <laughs> oh, they are not happy. They're just like, I think at some point they were like, look, he's engaged now. He's been off with Captain Dance for a long time. Maybe he's got some cop on. And then he just wanders off after this woman. Whether you care or not, there are, there are daggers being burrowed into your back from your, fa- at least from your sister and your 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 father. Uh, your sister doesn't particularly care. She's just excited to get announced and go into the big room. Mm-hmm. Uh, your fiance may be conflicted because this does look really bad on her, but she also doesn't want to marry you. I'm giving her an out. Yeah, it's just it's just a bad look. Okay, with your extreme success, this is something very interesting about this woman, Hugo. This dress is not a single piece or two piece or three piece like you would see with a lot of ladies gals where they kind of layer up. Mm -hmm. This one is probably cut into 12 pieces and it's suspiciously armor like it's almost as if she paid really big money to go to an armorer who could outfit her in a dress. So the way that her dress is cut and is assembled, it's giving her a lot of mobility. I mean, hips, arms, legs, shoulders. The alarming a lack of accessories makes you think like she doesn't want anything that can be pulled, anything that's going to wear down, anything that's going to distract her. And with a six, I'm also going to give you that you can see that there's a sheath somewhere on the inside of that dress. Oh, fuck me. She's going to do what I want to do. <laughs> and Hugo's going to approach her and say... Excuse me, miss. Her eyes drop to the ground and very slowly pull themselves up from your toes all the way up to your face. And she doesn't say a word back to you. She just glares back at you. Hmm. He's going to ignore the daggers for how dare you interrupt me to to just say, I can't help but notice the cut of your gown. It is a, uh, a lovely piece. I was wondering... Who did you get to, to, uh, to put it together? It seems to be a very uh, efficient piece of fabric. My own was done by Mr. Davison. Wouldn't happen to be him. He, he can cut a good bit of fabric. Do you not have an orphan bride to attend to? This is highly disrespectful, Sir Bartleby. So she knows who I am. <laughs> well... I tell you the truth, I happened to notice the sheath on your hip, and I was wondering if you were planning on on any sort of trouble later on. In which case, I might be able to either wade in or uh, hold back as need be. Oh, I assure you, good sir. If I plan on any trouble, you'll be made well aware. And she walks away from you. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, he was going to walk back and just be like, come here, does anybody know who that woman is? And your sister slaps you across the face. <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably. I mean, not sure what I did. I'm just like, oh, well, well, okay. Must you go out of your way at every turn, at every moment to embarrass his family? And he like strokes his beard and he's like, well, I happened to notice that the lady had a sheath on her hip 
and uh, was checking to see if she was planning on bringing a weapon into the party. But I, uh, I see your point. I see your point. The kids look mortified. You know how when like uh, parents argue in front of kids and the kids are just kind of like suspended, they're like, I don't know what mm-hmm. to do. Wide eyes and they're looking around. Your family's reputation is going ahead and ticking down in the yep. background as anyone who is witnessing this is like, ooh, you're airing family business like that. Hugo's just going to lean in. And he's going to just going to be like, you might blame me for all your ills, Marianne, but you just made things so much worse for yourself. And he's just going to go back over to Fanny and just be like, I'm sorry about that, dear. I, uh, if nothing else, I'll give you an excuse to get rid of me, eh? Your sister moves to challenge you with that one. And your father, who is still shaking like a leaf and hasn't said much, just, you know, staggers to get an arm out where he grabs her wrist to stop her from pursuing you. Fanny looks up to you and she says, after the hosts have danced, we're going to be required to go to the floor and dance. Are we going to dance? And Hugo's just going to genuinely put it, like, put her hand, hold her hand very tenderly and just be like, do you want to? And like looking her dead square in the eyes, he's like, you tell me now, child, do you want to? She actually nods. Yes. Then we will. Do you know how to dance? Uh, I'm sure I'll pick it up from the first, from watching the first one do it. Can't be that hard. One Miss Christabella Brode is called into the room, and that is when Miss Leatherboots, with the sewn-in sheath, throws a glance at you, Hugo, and enters in. And at least you guys aren't the last family introduced into the party. You're just the second to the last. Oh, but if they could change that list on the fly... <laughs> You guys are inside of the ball. The opening dance will, of course, be done by Arthur Bland and his daughter. You know that he is widowed to go when that dance is called for, if they're going to start and then everyone else can join in and everyone who's joining in at this point will be recognized couples. So those who are currently shopping, those who are eligible bachelors, you would not be in this first dance. This would be the host opening dance and then any recognized couples, which is what Fanny was referring to Hugo because you guys are a recognized couple. Before that dance is called, what are you guys getting into? Oh, I gotta believe it's all sorts of trouble. (laughs) Spirits, wine, whatever they have. Mike, the player, is not necessarily as familiar with some of the guidelines and regencies as some other more scholarly types in our audience might be. But So I don't know if it's um, out of hand or out of sort to get Miss Ambani something to drink. I don't know if that etiquette, same etiquette applies. No, I love it. We'll make up etiquette as we go along because Bridget is not an expert on Regency etiquette either. Good, good. No, it's fantastic. So I, I would like to, because this first dance is recognized couples, I would like to shepherd or escort Miss Ambani around the soiree. Uh, specifically, I would like to make sure that she gets to see her animals <gasps> up close because she doesn't care for the people here. He already knows that. Mm-hmm. Or at least most of them. And um, I think it's important that she gets an opportunity to see her horse. Especially when so much care was taken to make sure that it was saved. Okay. So that's what we'll be up to. Miss Vidya, your green light for that? I was, in fact, going to suggest it, so you read my mind. <laughs> 
I feel like Vidya is probably seeing the string quartet, seeing the animals in cages like this. She feels bad for her, for her animals that came with her. So she wants to make sure that they're going to be okay with all this loud noise and chatter and being stared at in a weird way. This is almost worse than being on the ship for six months. They're free, but they're stuck in, they're stuck in cages and kind of just being paraded around. So she wants to especially make sure that the, the panther is okay. Her little baby boy. So she just wants to make sure that they're all going to be okay and maybe try to reassure them as much as she can without doing something that may be improper. Oh, I like this. Okay. Uh, so, Sir Robert Dance, you're able to uh, fetch Miss Ambani a drink and you guys are mostly doing a, um, almost like an exhibit tour of how the animals are doing. Um, Miss Vidya, none of them are happy right now. None of them are. The, the birds are unhappy with being displaced. The horses don't want to be where they are. They don't enjoy the parading. The panther uh, is in a cage that it's already outgrown. At some point, you're going to have to address that and get that thing commissioned uh, for a larger cage or carrier, but it is what it is for right now. They're all agitated. They're all uncomfortable. What would you like to roll me to just as you're moving around just to kind of settle them? Ooh, that is a good question. Yeah, I'm looking over your sheet right now. I would give you either a Hindi or an appearance. I'm not even seeing like an animal handling on this sheet. No, I was thinking Hindi as well because they probably understand words and phrases because she's talked to them before. Yeah. So she's she's going to just try to reassure them that it'll get better. They just need to get through this. Okay. I like that because n- none of these animals probably speak English. They're probably picking up a handful of commands over the month that you've been here, but you know, they were all brought up and they were trained in Hindi. Oh boy. Oh no. Oh no. For the folks at home, I rolled a 100. That is a critical failure. Ooh. Yeah. yeah oh God. And your Hindi was an 82? Yeah. My, my Hindi was pretty high. I can't push that roll because I already critically failed. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's what I'm going to do really fast. Let's see what exhibit you were at when this shit went down. We've got birds, we've got horses, and we've got your black leopard. So I'm going to roll a D6. This is going to be with the horses when this goes around. How did you botch this, Miss Vidya? I guess there were already attendants by the horses because they were kind of being like shown around in a circle. Correct. So I think as I'm trying to maybe talk to one of the attendants, being like, no, 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 that's not how... That's not how that horse wants to be held. I think that causes some additional confusion there, causing the horses to get out of line and move to somewhere where they're maybe not supposed to go. Okay. Mike, did you have something you wanted to chime in on that one? For dance, like any sort of any sort of issue or faux pas that she creates is going to reflect onto him. Yes. And so what he wants to do is attempt to if you offered her a Hindi or, or an appearance role, I'd like the same appearance role then to try to um, put the horses back in line. Okay. Given the time and leadership, sort of bring out that, that captain quality and have that man who's handling the horse get it into line. 
No, I love it. Roll me that appearance. Uh, Miss Vidya, uh, the handler is doing a poor job of handling uh, the particular horse that's on parade right now. And this horse, when it sees you and you jump in with this charged, excited Hindi voice, it's it's super, it's hyper-stimulated. It's overstimulated. It's excited to see you. It's excited that someone is speaking in Hindi. And then it almost has this moment of courage, like, I don't have to do this. I don't have to be here. I don't want to be here. And that's when it begins to buck and it begins to thrash with a critical failure. I am going to say that it is probably going to catch its handler in the chest with one of those hooves. And it's like backing out of its range, its name is coming up on its, on, its, on its hind legs and it's getting ready to bolt. Captain Dance? So I have a success in my appearance role. The way that I would prefer to play this out is I want Dance to step forward in dress finery and grab hold of the reins of this horse even if he has to sort of get up a little bit and grab hold of him, I think too he'll do. He realizes that the handler's been kicked. There's nothing he can do for that that man at the moment. the The concern is getting this horse under control, and I have uh, a success on that role. So, okay, uh, the handler goes flying into one of the uh, food tables, which he crashes through. You can see and hear on his way down that two of his ribs just buckle under this kick and he goes crashing to which there are screams and it's almost like half of the party on the inside is having like a a front row seat uh, to this moment. Captain Dance, take it from here. That was your success. You were going to be able to tame this horse. Easy, easy, easy. I bring my hand up and and try to um, rub the side of its face and, and try to ease the horse back away from the party and any other potential targets it might find with its feet. Okay. And then what I want to do is sort of reach for with the other hand, sort of reach for Miss Mbani so that way her, her presence can try to add to the, the horse's overall calmer presence, hopefully. Okay. I'm going to, I'm not going to think that, oh, she screwed this up. I'm going to think, what the hell was that guy doing? He doesn't know what he's doing because Dance would know that appearing as if that she was the fault of the issue would reflect badly on her and thus badly on me. And so in true Regency fashion, uh, he will likely blame a servant for a problem that someone had created. That someone had created. Okay, I'm going to roll quick spot hidden here. See how we do here. Okay. And uh, the horse with wild eyes is looking towards Miss Ambani. It's looking away. It's looking around. And then finally you're able to just lock it in. And with uh, baying and high squealing, whinnying, and in a few moments, you know, you can hear it just, you can hear it coming down as its front two paws are like clopping on the ground. It's still irritated, but at least it's not thrashing. Miss Vidya Ambani, for those who saw it and are going to be talking about you here in a second, I need you to make an etiquette check. Oh boy. It'll be fine. (laughs) My etiquette is at a 30. I love it. Ah, I rolled a 43, so that is a failure. Okay. You're going to hit another five on your reputation as the woman from across the seas can't control her own beasts. Captain Dance, I need an etiquette check, please. Certainly. That is success, 29 under 40. And you got to love the white savior. You're going to gain five in your reputation as the hero of this particular situation, who is not only handling his charge, but handling this wild horse. How much reputation do you have right now? Uh, a little bit. (laughs) Mm. I'm only a little bitter because I lost so much 
Why do you last ask? session? Uh, no, my current reputation is 67. Hmm. <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts. Woo. Hugo, what are you up to during the ball right now? There's been some fuss. You catch the tail end of, you know, the site because it's, it's a glass front. You can see it by the time mm-hmm. it starts getting exciting and people are whispering or talking or looking. You can see, you know, Captain Sir Robert Dance taming a horse and a mortified look on Miss Ambani's face. Yeah, that's all fine. <laughs> they have it in hand. I'm going to stick close with poor Fanny. And if there's a wine or some kind of punch or God, God, just anything. Anything to relieve the tedium of these god-awful events. Hugo cannot stand the intricate sets of Byzantine rules to keep the poors out. (laughs) You're able to lead Fanny, which means, you know, Diana's going to be not far behind you guys, uh, over to one of the the, the food um, um, tables that's set out. And one thing you immediately notice, you know, in Regency era, it was expected that all meats were served with the heads of the animals still attached Mm -hmm. to, you know, demonstrate its freshness. There are no heads attached to any of the food that's set out right now. The food looks good, it smells good, it's very palatable. But you just, it's almost like a reminder of like, yeah, people are starving and we're having a great time at the party. Uh, and as you are pairing drinks and um, for uh, yourself and possibly your two minors, um, you do hear the very sultry, flirtatious voice of the tailor, Harvey Davison, uh, approaching you. And you can feel something he's very stealthy about it but you can feel like something in your outfit being corrected like either a shirt being pulled down or your waistcoat being adjusted he's very smooth with it because it's in passing but he shouldn't be touching you that's disrespectful uh and that's also dangerous in this particular setting but he looks to you and he says oh well the first mate does clean up well doesn't he well mr davison i did have some good help with it thank you very much i did a fine job if i do say so myself mm-hmm mm-hmm I see. So, Have you seen that? Oh, again? Oh, no, I was just going to ask you if you'd seen that lady what, whose dress what looks like armor. Uh, no, I was actually going to ask you how I felt to be second to last to be introduced. Where is she? <laughs> and Hugo has been tracking her the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> like, eyes like a hawk on this woman, and he's just like, over there. Uh, You can see her. She's not actually talking to anyone. She's kind of just blending in. Have a look at her sheath built into the left-hand side, so she's a right-hander. He locks eyes with her, and you can see that she looks from across the room over at you guys and almost rolls her eyes like you're not worth her time. Hugo absolutely gives a wink. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) You could not have put something more delicious in front of uh, Sir uh, Davidson right now. He actually hands you his wine goblin. He says, I think I will go have a closer look. And he throws a wink at you, and he is beelining. He's about to go play with his new thing. Mm-hmm. I thought he'd enjoy that. And now I have two wines. <laughs> Presumably, as a 16-year-old in in the Regency, uh, Fanny is good to drink. There you go. Yeah, yeah, there we go. You're good. Diana looks up to you, and she says, If that woman have a thought, then you say something to someone? Well, my love, as far as I can tell, the, the sheath is empty. However, I'm more interested to see what she'll do than than anything else. However, I'd like you to be careful. If there's anything kicks off, you'll get yourself in under a table or something. You hear me? Oh, John, you're going to regret that statement here in about 40 minutes. Oh, you're going to regret that statement so bad. She looks at you guys, okay. And if I come to you to get you out, you follow me straight. She's giving you that, that furrowed brow of, do I need to be concerned? 
Because you're concerning me. Hugo, like, just pats her little head and he's like, probably nothing, but uh, better to have a plan than not. It's okay. So, Hugo's now going to just make a quick scan of the building, see what, like, I know we're in a ballroom. And so he's mm-hmm. like, okay, high ceilings, not, not great, glass walls, pathetic for keeping people out. Servants don't have any weapons. Yeah, he's just going to look at the two girls under his protection, and he's just like... And he looks over at Vigi, and he's like, at least she's with the captain, but uh, also under my protection, so... Oh, oh right. Yeah, I'm starting to, to maybe have second priorities to dancing. <laughs> <laughs> By the time you guys come in, this is Miss Vidya Ambani and Captain Sir Robert Dance. They have begun... The, you know, opening ceremony dance, which is, is going to be Arthur Bland actually dancing with his daughter, um, who has come back out of her pride shunted toll, Emma Bland. Uh, and they are going to start off with their dance. And this is going to go for maybe two minutes as everyone stands by and does the polite clapping and then recognize couples. So your married couples or your engaged couples are going to be able to take the floor. And Hugo, Fanny looks up to you. I know you all tapped as, as I said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Hugo looks down at her and gives her, like, a grim smile. <laughs> I don't think it's going to inspire any confidence in anyone, but uh, he will do his best for this young woman. He will do his best to do whatever this god-awful English country dance is. You know what I want, babe. Is it an etiquette role? No, it's worse. It's a dancing role. <laughs> okay, well, what what's base dancing? <laughs> Your decks divided by 5%. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's actually... That's better. Uh, dex, 65%. Yeah, okay, okay, that's not great. <laughs> that's not great, that's not great. We might be okay. Oh, no. <laughs> Fanny has an extremely high etiquette, dance, reputation, things of that nature, so... I will give you a bonus die where as you're stumbling around and you're, you're, you're floundering, your feet are kicking over each other, you've stepped on her dress twice, that she's actually going to attempt to take control and start leading you in this. Yeah, Hugo knows best. So he's <laughs> like, yep, this, she's the one what knows what to do. I yep. am good at specific things. So go ahead, roll with a bonus die. We'll see how okay, you do so here. I'll roll that for you. That is worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hugo just like gets all by trying to think about it too much, he's getting tied up. It, he's just making it worse. Okay. Let me do a quick roll for little mama here. Okay. She is mortified in your arms right now, Sir Hugo Bartleby, but she is pushing through. She is mustering through. She is fighting through to the best of her ability, but this is going to wind up dinging you two points of reputation for exactly how terrible this particular display is. At some point, you're going to bump into another couple, which is going to wind up dislodging them. There is a servant that was running around that when you did a spin, it knocked over a plate. It's, it's, it's not great. That dance will eventually end. Fanny doesn't take off running from you. She actually holds her ground, stands into her embarrassment, and takes your hand, will actually just walk with as much dignity as she can muster off of the dance floor. Yeah, and Hugo can feel the people talking as we're walking yeah. off. And it's just like, I am the cause of this. This is not great. This is why I didn't come fucking home. Yeah. 
And as you exit the dance floor, you look up and just, you know, 10 people back, you're staring down the face of Mariana, of your sister, and she <laughs> and turns around and continues laughing. I don't know what the fuck she's laughing at. My censure reflects on her, too. But yeah, no, he's just going to be like, sticks the tongue behind the lower lip, presses it, lets it go. Just let it go, Bartleby. Just let it go. And yeah. And he's just going to walk off and just go back to his... <laughs> he's like, you know, it's not even likely that there's going to be some kind of Trojan horse riot. But, you know, I feel like it's a good exercise for me not to worry about this stupid dance bullshit. Right. So I'm I'm going to just just going to do my thing and just, you know, figure out escape routes <laughs> okay. or places where I'm like, ah, yes, there is a knife <laughs> next to the to the pig for carving. Excellent. <laughs> um, stuff like that. Okay. I'm going to hop over to Miss Ambani and uh, Captain Sir Robert Dant. Two things that I would like to happen right now as you guys are coming in from outside and you know they're getting ready to start that secondary opening dance where like anyone can go out. Sir Robert Dant, the first thing I need from you, please, is a pure reputation check. Alrighty. So that is a 10 under 67. So that's an extreme success on my reputation. Okay. Here's what you're working with right now, Captain Sir Robert Dance. There are eight women at this particular event uh, that are waiting on you. Five of them you know. The other three are pending introductions. So they have outward signs of interest to you, but you can't approach them or ask them to dance until someone makes an introduction. So you'd have to run around and find someone who knew this lady to get the introduction to even ask them to dance. With an extreme success... Um, this is something that you and your sister have probably pieced together mostly prior to arrival, but you are seeing it now. Uh, there are two major contenders that are worth your attention right now. Uh, there is Miss Catherine Throckmorton. She's the youngest sister of Colonel Fitzwilliam Throckmorton, a gentry who actually purchased his commission at 17. Um, this type of marriage would definitely be one of those by land, by sea type of plays for you. Um, you know that she's wealthy, that she has high status. This would be of good stock, as I say with air quotations. And she at least has a military understanding. Um, she is here tonight. Uh, she is wearing an absolute stunning black dress, which you would recognize, especially with that extreme reputation. That's a power play. This is spring. She should be in spring, fun, festive colors. Red at the most bold, but she went with black. Uh, she has a floor-length built-in red cape that is connected to her shoulders that is specifically for you. Uh, she's wearing black gloves that run each uh, up her arms and a headdress that is wearing black and red feathers in it. Um, she moves around the room with a lot of intentionality. You notice that she has a very athletic frame that is probably more intentional uh, than it is more natural, i.e. she works out. Um, and she is there. Your second option and you and your sister have discussed this and now you're seeing it in person is Miss Virtue Wesley. Miss Wesley has some reputation complications. One, she's biracial and everyone knows it. Uh, she was born in the West Indies. Her father had an affair with a slave but still chose to recognize her here. His wife, who was unable to have children, took to this child and raised it as her own. Despite the shame, the illegitimacy, the gossip, it doesn't matter. This girl grew up well, well loved. You know that Lord Wesley is a very powerful figure that is recognized at his majesty's court. Because of that alone, this would be a very solid marriage. Plus, they are well off. 
your problem is going to come with a potential permanent reputation ding. If you marry her as a mixed woman, your children are also going to be mixed. And that can start getting funky depending on where you are and how people receive you. Uh, she is here wearing a lovely lime green dress uh, that is outfitted with pink jewels, hair accessories. And she has a naval ship that's been embroidered onto the handle of her fan. Caramel skin, brown eyes, coarse black hair that has been drawn into submission with heat. That's what you are eyeing at right now. <laughs> For those are your two, those are your two potential. What a line, right? Drawn into submission with heat. With heat. Hmm. Well, I don't know that mixed race children would bother dance as much as it might bother some uh, some of the pale skins here uh, in England. He, having having gone back and forth so many times to India, uh, running into all manner of people from all manner of backgrounds, I don't think that. Um, I think he has a more um, life-educated viewpoint of that. So, um, but, you know, there, there are some other things to consider as well. The black dress with the red cape is somebody's shooting their shot. That's for sure. That's, that's somebody like <laughs> I, I came to play. And so it would be um, remiss of me not to, at the very least, at least meet both of them. Right. Okay. I can only assume by me wanting to meet both of them. That basically means that I'm, I suppose I would come to them even knowing that they're chasing me. No, they can't come to you to ask you for a dance, period. Miss Throckmorton, you can openly approach because you know her brother. And so you've met her once or twice, like years ago. Mm -hmm. There's at least an established reputation or there's an established introduction there. For Miss Wesley, you would have to find somebody, probably your sister, just to make the introduction. And then you could ask her to dance. Hmm. Beyond the name, Sir Dance only has so high of a dancing skill. So while he is dexterous, he may not be the most skilled dancer. Okay. That said, though, I guess I will ask Miss Ambani, given the sheer number of suitors that you likely have here in the room, is there anyone we should make sure that your knight does not involve? Ooh, that is a good question. Yeah, so as I come back in, I'll sort of lean over to her and I will admit the truth which Grace gave to me last night or earlier in our episodes, and I will say to her, to, to you, Miss Ambani, I will say, there is not a suitor in this room outside of maybe one who deserves to be anywhere near you. That is the truth. They're all very much far below you, no matter how much they're, um, how high their noses might get. Vidya nods as, you know, dances leaning in to say this to her. And I think she's going to admit that I I didn't expect to find very many prospects here that would meet my liking. I don't have as much of a choice as I would like. Yeah, unfortunately, the cruel reality that that grip of its hand is never far, especially in this society. But I'm not one to stand on ceremony entirely. And so before I go to meet some of the people who are so very desperate to meet me <laughs> would you care to dance I would love to dance I, I however I'm not very well versed in 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 the dancing uh, of English culture I've, I've only maybe done a bit of classical Indian dance hmm. my uh, uh, my sister would hate to hear me admit that I too am not the most able dancer. I'm fine enough, I, I believe, but I think it would be fun for 
everyone to understand that your first dance should be with me. And Vidya nods, nods to that. So I'll uh, step out onto the floor with Miss Ambani, and um, I'm going to sort of put my sister's gaze behind me as best I can, because I know that, like... Oh, it's there. You can feel it. You know it. (laughs) Oh, you're doing first dances now? So everything I said yesterday was a lie? We're going to act like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. So we'll we'll take it out, and uh, we'll take each other for a spin, as likely a terrible dancers we both are. But that, that'll be fun, I think. No, I think that'd be great. This turns a lot of eyes, as you guys know. Well, at least as the, the gentleman would know here. Uh, the first dance is typically a gentleman's way of saying, you have my, my highest priority. I'm open, but you have my, my highest priority at the moment. So this is, um, this is a big indicator to the room um, of either Captain Dance's intentions, maybe... Or it could be furthermore of that, like, oh, y'all were playing games when I got here. I can keep playing games, too. I think it also might be just just a little bit that Dance feels that he deserves the first dance with her because none of the rest of them are fucking good enough. They're unworthy. And I think that's really the message that he wants to send to the other male suitors in the room. That is, you are not worthy of having her first. Hmm. And so let me show you all. And then hopefully not break a leg. I was going to say, show us. I need a dance scene from both of you. Uh, okay, I'm spending 12 points of luck to make that a success. Okay, okay. We're we, we failing on here. I can't have that. <laughs> I literally just do not have the luck to make that work. That's okay. That's all right. That's okay. That's okay. It looks like uh, Captain Sir Robert Dance is going to carry you a bit through this dance. Miss Vidya, it's clumsy. You can't, quote unquote, catch the beat of this music that they're playing. This is very unseasoned, given the dancing that you're probably used to. And you just haven't had as many dance lessons as you would have probably, or you should have possibly had before getting here. But you're in Captain Dance's arms, and he is successfully carrying you. Does anybody want to add anything more to just how this dance looks? Fantastic. Um, So during the dance, I would just, given the proximity of the two of us, if she had not been made aware of certain things, I would make sure she understands that she should only dance with each person so many times. More than two, it's scandalous. Ooh. So I would just caution her and remind her that not not all the men here are good dancers either, so mind your feet. Right. (laughs) And, uh... And do the best you can. But I, I do have others um, that I'll have to meet as well. I wanted to make sure, though, that we had a moment at least here before that the chaos begins. Okay. A couple quick things I will uh, close up this dance with. Uh, as you guys are on one of your final stin- spins, you can see Harvey Davison just walk by and throw you a wink, Captain Sir Robert Dance. He's proud of that outfit. He thinks you look amazing. And that's a compliment to him. So he throws you that wink, which apparently you have now a second asshole sister that's making, you know, quiet jokes behind your back and to your face. Um, The next thing, as you guys pass Miss Virtue Wesley on that same spin, she actually is like smiling 
really brightly, even though she's one of your, your top contending suitors there, Sir Robert Dance. And there's something about when she smiles, her face goes in where it like squinches together and it's like like cute mousy look. And you notice mm. that she actually, um, uh, even being biracial, has red freckles on her cheeks. Um, you notice that Miss Catherine Throckmorton is not happy at all. She's seething. And for you, Miss Vidya, there are two things that you notice. There is a very polite and patient smile coming from Henry White, uh, who is having a drink with uh, another fellow, but all he's doing is really watching you. He's nodding, he's engaging in the conversation, but he's literally just watching you. He looks pathetically like a lovesick puppy right now. And uh, as you are finishing and you guys are doing your final bows out to the audience, uh, you notice that there is a serving woman um, who is currently, you know, cleaning up dishes. She is uh, dressed in her serving gear and uh, has her hair pulled back. This is a, a white woman that has like very, very, very dark black hair and deep brown eyes. And Miss Vidya, it looks like she's staring at you. And it's not staring at you in a menacing way. It's a staring at you like, get over here, which is a really bold move for a servant to be giving you that type of face. Hmm. I guess I make my way over just as casually as I can to make it look like whatever food or drink is nearby here has caught my attention. Okay. You head over to the table, enticed not by this look that she's giving you, but just by whatever's on the table. And as you approach and she's continuing to continuing to clean up, wipe things, she takes a dirty rag and puts it into her apron. And she says to you in Hindi, Miss Vidyan Bani. Oh, well... This is quite a surprise. Do Have we met? No. But we were supposed to meet some four weeks ago. I was I was slotted to be your chaperone, but Miss Grace Ratcliffe decided to step into that role instead. It has been increasingly difficult to get in touch with you, given the mess that you've caused. Your father has a message for you. And I think Vidya's face falls just very, ever so slightly. What What is the message? Embarrass him further and no sea will be vast enough or deep enough to save you from his wrath. You have two options, girl. Robert Dance or Henry White, and that should probably be decided soon. He is allowing you the luxury to choose, but any further embarrassments to our household will be met with a penalty. And I think Vidya, in trying to keep this conversation as discreet-looking as possible, is, you know, going to turn towards the food next to them maybe grab a bite or grab a drink and then turn away and walk away. And she says a little too boldly because she's still speaking Hindi and this is this is a white woman and she's fluent. She says, and that cat has outgrown that cage. You can afford to do better. So do better. I continue to walk away. Hey, Bridget, any chance that uh, the other person we happen to know speaks Hindi in the room might have picked up on, hey, wait a minute, I know that language. Wait, no one's no nobody speaks that here. Give me a luck check to see if you were in the vicinity to have picked that up. Hmm. It looks like I was. It looks like you were right there at the far end of the table. Some of the Hindi is a bit beyond him, because you know, it's it's a bit more upper class than what he's used to. However, yeah. he is just like I can pick up on the tone. I can pick up on what's being said. She doesn't get to talk to her that way. <laughs> oh shit, here we go. He's just going to slowly make his way down the table. And as she's like, get that cat in a proper cage. He's just like, 
I would like to remind you, perhaps, that uh, you were not employed to be Miss Vidya's chaperone at this event. Perhaps you should go back to sweeping the table. Her eyes look down at the rag and they slowly crawl up to you and you immediately recognize that this is a woman that is serving a higher power than anything that she recognizes on this continent. Mm-hmm. And she says, you should be careful, Hugo. Your kindness towards his daughter has been recognized, but that only affords you so much currency. I'll not have the, myth, the lady spoken to in such a tone, if you'd be so kind as to perhaps be a bit more respectful when you talk to her then we have no issue she rolls her shoulders back and puts both hands on the table and she says and if i don't oh if you don't i'd hate to have a i'd hate to have a member of the serving class have her livelihood ruined over such a thing as perhaps oh i don't know disrespecting a gentleman oh let's see what could i have that no one would question in this country be kind to miss ambani and remember where you are. And he's just going to turn and leave. You turn and you take one step to leave. And Miss Christabella Brode slaps you across the face with a white glove. <laughs> Sir Hugo Bartleby, I hereby challenge you to a duel. And that's where we're going to end this particular episode. So thank you so much, everyone, for uh, engaging and listening with the another episode of our wonderful Echoes in the Mist series in Regency Cthulhu. We look forward to having your listening ears next time. 